got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3. And um, we're going to talk, we're, we're, we're continuing on, we're just about finished with 2 Peter. Uh, we've been in First and 2 Peter for a long time, and it's well, it's been um, really enlightening to me. And I hope that some of these messages have spoken to you, that the Lord has used them in your life. But 2 Peter 3 is the last chapter in the second letter that Peter is writing to persecuted believers. And these people are, are hurting. They need the Lord to work in a mighty way. And Peter is going to remind us this morning about why he's written these words and why God's word is so foundational for us. Guys, if we don't remember the promises of God in our daily lives, when troubles come and they come, when persecution comes, when the storm clouds of life hover over us, we forget why we're supposed to have hope. And so it's so important for us to remember the goodness of God and the past blessings of God so that we have hope and strength to keep going forward. If we forget what God's done for us, then we forget why we're pressing on. And it makes it almost pointless and hopeless for us. And so this is what Peter's going to talk to us about today. And I want to read the first nine verses with you. And um, <laughs> I apologize. I don't know who's running the slides today, but uh, good luck keeping up with me today, okay? I'm, I'm sorry, because I'm going to go off note today. All right. Um, 2 Peter 3, verse 1. And I don't have this on the screen this morning, but you can either read along or just listen, focus on the words. He begins by saying, beloved. In some passages it will say, dear friends. He's speaking to believers. This is now my second letter to you, First Peter, Second Peter. Both of them are reminders. He says, I'm not... I'm not teaching you new things here. I'm reminding you of the things of God that you've learned before. He said, I'm reminding you to stir you to wholesome thinking. The purpose of me telling you this all again is so that your minds will be pure by remembering the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and commanded by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Now, listen, guys. He says three people there. He says, I'm reminding you of three different voices that you've heard. The prophets, the Savior, and the apostles. And guys, when you put the words, every word in Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, led along by God. It's God's inspired word, okay? But when you think about these three groups of people, if the prophets have proclaimed it, if Jesus has spoken it, and the apostles come along and repeat it, it means pay attention. I'm trying to stir up your minds to holiness, he says, by reminding you of the words which have been spoken. Most importantly, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking and following their own evil desires. They'll say things like, where's the promise of his coming? Ever since our fathers fell asleep, everything continues as it has from the beginning of creation. But they deliberately overlooked the fact that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed. Out of water and by water, through which the world that then existed perished in the flood. And by that same word, listen, by the word of God, God brought everything that exists, everything that ever was, is, or will be, was brought into existence by the Lord Almighty who spoke it into being, and that because of the evil and wickedness of man, this is what he's telling us, that judgment has come by the word of God so that the world was destroyed by water. He's telling us that just as that promise was fulfilled, so the promise remains to be fulfilled that the world will be destroyed by fire. Okay? Every, this is why remembering is so important, why reminders are so important. That if it happened before, and God's promised that a same type of judgment will happen again, it's going to happen. Just because, and this is where we're getting into this, it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Alright? So here he says, By that same word of God, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire 
being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Beloved, again, believers, do not be ignorant of this one thing. He, 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 he's not calling somebody stupid for not knowing this, okay? The word ignorant means not knowing something. And he says, of all people, because of the word of God that's already been written to you, that's already been proclaimed to you, you're no longer ignorant of the things of God. He says, don't pretend to be ignorant like you don't know this is coming. Do not be ignorant of this one thing. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. Some of your translations will say, is like a thousand years. And a thousand years as or as like one day. Now there's something important there. He does not say with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Okay? He's, he's using figurative language here. Is as, is likened to. The Lord is not slack. He is not slow in keeping his promises as some consider slowness. This is the reason why God's waiting. He is patient. His love is so long-suffering towards you, me. He's patient with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Man, God's waiting. Guys, if you're here this morning and you've never repented of your sins and called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't make the Lord wait any longer. He's been patient for a long time. And you exist today. Your life has been spared. If you don't know Jesus, for maybe this very day, so that you come to trust and know his son as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Lord, I pray that as believers this morning, that these aren't new words to us. We know the words the prophets have spoken. We've read and heard, preached, and, and learned of the words that Jesus has spoken uh, we know what the apostles said in the New Testament, in their teaching. Lord, we have that in the Gospels and in the histories and in uh, the book of Revelation, Lord. We have these blessings that are recorded for us. So, Lord, don't let us be ignorant. We know that in these last days that scoffers will come, people who doubt the Word of God, who say that if God hadn't come back yet, you're never coming back, God. We know that there's people all around us who doubt the validity of Jesus. They don't believe that he ever rose up from the dead. There's people who claim, Father, outside of this place that you are a myth, a, a figment of our imagination, a fairy tale. And Lord God, it's amazing that you have such patience and such long-suffering mercy and love towards them. Who we, They were us too, Lord God. May we never forget that you haven't wiped them out yet. That you are still offering the chance for salvation through your only begotten Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we do not take that blessing for granted. That we would not stop telling our loved ones and our neighbors about salvation that is possible in Christ, even if they make fun of us, even if they call us fools, even if they laugh the fact that we spend a Sunday morning in worshiping you. Lord, that you would give us perseverance in continuing to be light to the darkness that we would be testifiers and ambassadors of Jesus. Lord God, even if people don't believe us, let us not forsake telling them and living out this Christian life. Oh, Father, give us strength to persevere. We know that your timetable is different from ours. We know that with you, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Lord God, we know we've asked for things that we have not yet received. We look at the Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith and know that some of those never received their promise during their earthly life. But God, let us never forget that we all receive the promise of eternal life and glorification with you. One day, that heaven awaits us. That everything that we endure, everything that we suffer, every mockery, every ridicule, every pain, every hurt, every loss, Lord, it will one day be made up for times infinity when we're in your presence. And so, Lord, I pray that your people don't lose heart today, that we don't give up, that we don't quit on you. 
that we keep pressing forward, that we keep pressing in, that in those moments where we feel like we're lost, that we would draw near to you because your promise is to draw near to us. Lord, that we would be reminded of your promises and the hope that is in Christ Jesus and the comfort that exists in your Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the saints and the glory of your word and the power of prayer and all of these things would help us to keep going on. Lord, we pray this for your people. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, I'll I'll tell you something, because this morning, I know that it could not have been easy for you to sing, Teresa. Wednesday night, uh, we were praying for Teresa's friend, her dear friend Elizabeth. Elizabeth has had several seizures and had not eaten or drank anything for a couple of days at the time we were praying for her, and we were joined together in here praying. And um, she passed away. And uh, I, I don't know, did that happen last night? Friday? I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Um, and then you sing a song like, Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. And you think about the reality of a promise like that. Um, guys, the moment that the believer in Jesus passes, the, the very second, whether... A, a machine is unplugged, a respirator stops, or we just breathe our very last breath. The very next breath for the child of God is in the presence of the Lord. And as sad as that is, because we have all that sit in here lost somebody that we dearly love, As sad as that is to lose them, to not be able to call them on the phone or go visit them or hold their hand or hug them, the the beautiful promise that we cling to is that God has them. And one day that ultimate promise is going to be so true for us that one moment, one second in the presence of God Almighty is going to be greater than anything, even the greatest things that we experienced on this earth. And it's going to be so beautiful for us. Guys, when you lose hope, look back to God's promises. Look back to the Old Testament. Look back to the Psalms. I spend a lot of times in the Psalms when my heart is hurting. Look back to the promises of the prophets. Look back to the life of Jesus. Look back to the Gospels. Look back to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. Look back to the words of those who wrote. Look back to the answered prayers. Look back to the blessings. Look back to the joy that God has brought you. Look around. Let your memories fill your mind with the goodness of God. And it should draw you to a place of praise and thanksgiving for God. It's powerful, the memories that we have. I'm not saying that you live in the past. What I'm saying is that if you ever start losing hope, look back to how good God has been to you throughout your life. And it should help you to look up And as you look up, you will be able to go forward. There's beauty in that thought. In these verses, Peter is trying to focus our minds. I mean, he's really talking about there's a coming judgment. Jesus is coming back. There are things that we ought to remember about this since we've been taught them. And he says we're we're not to pay attention to the words of what he calls scoffers here. He's warned us about these people in both of these letters. He says, don't listen to the doubters. Don't listen to the hawkings of the world that say uh, the universe is all that is. There is no such thing as a higher life or, or a God, as we want to call it. Don't listen to the doubters. Don't listen to the scientists or the people who deny creationism. Don't listen to the fools that blaspheme the name of God and make fun of his church and ridicule his bride. Those aren't the people we're called to listen to. Turn your mind to Jesus. Turn your mind to God's Word. Trust in what He has said to you. His promises are true. Skeptics and scoffers existed in this day when Peter wrote this letter to these persecuted believers, and skeptics and scoffers still exist today. Man, I'll tell you, as people, we have a selective memory. Um... We call it jokingly sometimes, sometimers. You got sometimers, Brother Ben? Uh, And it's not that we've forgotten everything. It's just that 
oh, my wife, Friday when she was in school, told me to do a load of towels while I was at the house. Well, my sometimers will kick in, and I forgot to do a load of towels, right? I actually did the load of towels, so, you know, kudos to me, right? Uh, it's real easy to do a load of white towels, I'll tell you that. Um, anyway, we, we tend to sometimes forget. It's so easy, isn't it, to remember the negative things, the bad things in life. You can remember one sharp word, one negative word against you. And in that same day, there might have been a dozen people that said really encouraging, positive, uplifting things to you. But for whatever reason, at the end of the day, when you're trying to go to sleep, that one word from that one person is what stands out in your mind. We, we really major in the negative. It's so hard for us to accept positive things and to remember positive things. But when somebody says something bad, boy, it shines in our light, in our lives. And so we forget a lot of times how good God has been to us. You forget that maybe seven years ago you were facing a surgery. Or if you're like Randy Lillard, who gets to come home Tuesday, the mechanical valve that they put in his heart has been good. He's strong. He's recovering. He's stepped down uh, out of ICU and out of surgery, and they should be traveling back to us. But five years ago, Randy was facing a very scary idea, and I'm not using Randy as a person who's forgotten, but I'm using him as this example that five years ago, there was this life-threatening thing in his heart of all places that very much affected what the future of his life would be. Now, in those moments, we are all about praying, God, help me. God, heal me. God, give me the best doctors. God, do this for me. And, 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 and he does it. And then Randy had this procedure, and uh, it was, a, I believe, a pig valve that they had put into his heart. And uh, he's had the last five years, and the, the valve was supposed to have worked a lot longer than that, but it stopped working like it was supposed to. And I guarantee that in those five years, Randy's not here to testify, or I'd asked him to, but there were so many times that he and his family looked and said, Thank you, God, for what you did. But a lot of times, we will be in these dire moments, these dire situations where we're faced with life and death stuff. I don't know how work's going to work out. I don't know if I'm going to get to keep my job. I don't know how this divorce is going to occur. I don't know what's going to happen with my children. I don't know what's going to happen with our bills. I don't know how we're going to keep this house. Uh, You don't know. And you get in those moments and you're like, God, you're the only person that can deliver me. And what does God do? He delivers you. And then time passes And you forget about that deliverance. You forget about that answered prayer. You forget about how faithful God was to you. And we selectively forget those things sometimes. And then it comes another moment, and it's a a fire. And again, we have to break out the glass and take the fire extinguisher out. Or it's it's a scary moment in our life, and I finally have to pray to God again. And we need Him in those moments. But guys, this is the reminder. Don't forget the good things God has done for you. Keep praising God and thanking God for the good things he's done for you. Because those little reminders, which are actually big things, keep hope alive for everything else you're going to face in life. It's a big deal. Godless people have always existed and they're always going to exist. Man, you turn on the radio, you listen to blogs, you watch television, you read magazines or the paper. There are people all around us that say, things about God. And it does, in a a sense, appear that if God were going to return, why hasn't he yet? I mean, how much longer are we going to have to dwell with the things that we're dwelling with? How how many more poor leaders are we going to have to be? You you think about Israel, though. Remember, They, they would cry out, man, God, why did you give us this king? Why are we underneath this oppressive rule? And what did God do? I mean, he was faithful. Repetitively, he gave them a better king. There was a time of judges. There were prophets. There were kings. And the people for a little while would say, thanks, God. Appreciate that one. And just a little while later, they would be like, eh, where are you, God? I mean, they forgot the goodness of God. And guys, we're the same way. But we would think that God is going to return soon, that Jesus is going to return soon. I don't know how much more degenerative this world can get, but I guarantee it can get worse. And it will get worse. 
The more people turn away from Jesus, the more people mock God, the more people push God away from their lives, the worse off this nation is going to suffer. But there will always be a remnant, and there will always be God's word. Peter's calling us to look back and remember God's promises, to remember God's answers, to remember God's commands. Just because all the things God spoke have not yet occurred does not mean that they will not occur. God's word spoke it all into being. God's word brought about judgment. God's word keeps us together moment by moment. God's word is still powerful and effective. God's promises are still true. The reason we haven't all been annihilated and the earth hasn't burned up yet is all because the mercy and the grace of God that he's long-suffering towards us. It's not toward deer. It's not towards river. It's not towards fish or trees. God is long-suffering towards humanity that no one would die in their sin. Listen, you remember when Saddam Hussein died? You remember when... Uh, Osama bin Laden died. I remember thinking in those moments and the Lord reminding me, because I'm not going to lie to you. I had a dad that was in Desert Storm, taken for at least two years to Bosnia. Uh, There were times when, you know, I have a brother that's active duty military. These horrid leaders, these wicked and despicable people, you know, I remember thinking, yes! God, wipe that scum out. Yeah, listen, doesn't that sound bad? Here's the truth that God reminded me of. I do not take delight in the death of the wicked. God doesn't even want that horrible person, that murderous person with these mass graves that are their legacy. He doesn't take delight in those people dying. Where he takes delight is when the soul turns from its sin, repents of its sin, and accepts and embraces Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so that we become a son or a daughter of God. There's not a person so bad that God says, good, finally got that one. Instead, he wants even the wicked, the people that we consider far more wicked than we are because we consider their sins far more heinous than our own. God wants to redeem even that person. And so when he redeems you, it's still a beautiful miracle and a testimony to the goodness of God. Man. God desires no one to perish in their sin and to be eternally lost. He doesn't delight in sending people to an eternity in hell apart from his presence. Instead, he's exercising his will over us. And listen, guys, God's will states that whatever he wills must come to pass. If God has said that in the end that this earth will perish by fire, his will dictates that it will perish by fire. No scientist, no intellectual person, no professor, no teacher, nobody anywhere, no student of, uh, of nature or whoever can say anything to the contrary or stop God's sovereign will from occurring. This world one day is going to burn. Now, we have all kinds of speculations about how that's going to happen. Is it going to be through nuclear war? What's going to occur? doesn't matter. What matters is that God said this, this will happen. We need to be ready, okay? Now, here's the other thing. When God willed the universe into creation, we're talking about the sovereign God's will. When God willed the universe into creation, he didn't wish it to happen. He didn't sit in heaven in the Trinity form and say, I I wish that I could create an earth that had water and land and sunsets and sunrises and deer and fish and all these things. He didn't just want it to occur. He didn't dream it into being. He didn't hope that it would happen. No, God sovereignly decreed it. He carefully planned it, and he perfectly designed this world, and he spoke it into being. He made it come into being. So there are no mistakes with God. What he said stands. What he wants to happen, happens. What he wills, will be. And I tell you all this to remind you guys 
that you are a child of this strong, powerful God. You do not have to worry about your life. In fact, what does worrying do? Does it add even a cubit to our lives? Scripture says no. You won't grow, you won't get better, you won't become healthier or stronger or anything else by worrying. Instead, we look at this God, and I pray that sometimes you're driven down to your knees, to your face before him, and you say, God, this thing that's before me, it's so big, and I'm so scared about it, I'm worried, and I'm anxious, and I don't know what it is, and for some of y'all, it's school, all right? It's fixing to happen. My sweet wife's going back to the classroom after five years away, and there are moments where it's like, I'm not ready for this yet. She's got it. She's a wonderful teacher. But what do we do, and we have multiple times? Take it to God. Dear God, would you be the one? Now, it may be something way bigger than school resuming, even though I think probably uh, kids and teenagers would tell you that's the worst thing that could possibly happen right now. All right? It may be some kind of a, a sickness or a diagnosis or a disease. It may be uh, something that's happened in your family. Maybe you've lost somebody very unexpectedly. Maybe there's this great hole and this gaping void that's there. And, and you're just before God. Here's what's happening. When God has said that he would do something, he always does it. He's never failed, not one time, ever. So if you are hurting, if you are scared, if you're anxious, if you're doubting, you go to the Lord in prayer. Before him, thank him for your many blessings. Remember what God has done for you. Praise his name, and then let that translate into hope for you so that you confidently trust that that God who's been here all along, who's always done what he said he's going to do, will take you to that place where you need to be. Trust him. It's so important, guys, because if you forget what God's done, you won't trust what he can do. You need to remember these things. He said it, it's come to pass. The things that haven't yet happened are still going to come to pass, just as he said it. Man, how does God act towards sinful fallen humanity then? In light of this, the people who haven't yet trusted Jesus as Savior... Well, we've already said that he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in eternally punishing people who deny his son. But he sovereignly carries that out because that is what he said. God's not a liar. So if somebody has blasphemed God and never trusted Jesus and always turned their back on him, the moment that they die, God's promise is still going to be true for that person. They will come to him and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. He's going, to withhold, he's going to uphold his promise. I am sweating like a you-know-what up here, right? And you guys fill in the blank. Fans on. Whoever says it's cold in here on a Sunday morning, I need to talk to y'all, okay? Take my jacket off. Let's praise the Lord. Come on now. You're healed. I ought to heal this side, probably, right? This is the side that needs it more than this side over here. Thank you guys for, for being patient with me, all right? I want to go to this verse right here. Verse 8, 2 Peter 3. Look at it again real quick. Beloved, do not overlook this one thing. With the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient. He doesn't say with them. He says with you. This is personal. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I asked you this at the beginning. Have you come to a place of repentance in your life? You know, the context is so important in this, and this is where I want to spend the next few minutes, is right here on this passage in 2 Peter 3, verse 8. There's a comparison here of a thousand years to a day. And what Peter's saying here is that the return of the Lord, uh, it's all of 2 Peter 3, that the Lord is returning, and he's going to deliver some, and he's going to judge some. There are two groups of people in this. Which one are you in? 
Are you in the delivered group or are you in the judged group? And guys, most of the world is in this judged group right now. And it's the duty of those who are in the delivered group to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus, proclaiming the gospel message so that more people in this judged group will be moved over to this delivered group. That's the purpose of your existence today. That's the purpose for this church being. That's the purpose of standing here on a Sunday morning and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, not everybody will be because a lot of people are going to deny the Lord. Do they have to? No. Can anyone be saved? You bet. Jesus Christ, John 3, 16 is the most famous, most quoted verse of all time. And it says, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not what? But have what? Okay. Now, does all mean all? Yes, it does. For all who will put their faith in Jesus will be saved. It's not a select, elect few. God didn't foreordain this group of people without a chance in the world to ever trust in Jesus to go straight to hell. Do not collect $200. He has given all the opportunity. His Spirit will draw people to Himself. He wants people to be saved. And so here... Peter's talking to persecuted believers. And he's telling them, listen, there's going to be coming a time and a day when people are going to come up to you and they're going to make, make you want to believe that God has abandoned you, that God has forgotten you, that God's promises aren't true, that he's not coming back. Don't believe those people. He's been gone so long. Do you really believe he could come back? As Christians are persecuted, and continue to look for the Lord to deliver them today. Sometimes it does feel like His coming is delayed, but He has the perfect timing in mind. Peter reminds us here, I believe with all my heart, to not lose heart because God is working on a different timetable. Listen, for a man, something, something doesn't happen in a matter of years, maybe months, maybe weeks, maybe days. A lot of times we miss it. Because we get very, very impatient. I think Satan has given us technology. I don't think Satan gave us phones. Bill Gates gave us the internet. No, 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 no. It was uh, Al Gore that gave us the internet, right? Um, Bill Gates did some things too. Um, we have this technology, and technology is supposed to make our lives easier, isn't it? It's supposed to make it so that we can get an eight-hour workday done in two or three hours. Has it done that? No. We all carry around... I carry mine up here because it tells me what time it is, even though I don't pay any attention to it. These cell phones. I believe that these have become the greatest idols in our lives. And we carry our little, we don't, they're not made of wood. We had not carved them, but we carry them with us wherever we go. And they rob us of so much time. I'm robbed of time because of that thing, and I confess that. And yet, we miss blessings because sometimes they take longer to develop than what we want them to take. We want people to be saved the moment that we pray for them. We want the job the moment that we pray for it. We want to be healed the moment that we pray for it. And God can do those things, but He doesn't always work that way. He works according to His will, not according to our will. That's a big deal for a lot of Christians because we think God's supposed to work on our timetable. If you put the right amount of faith into that little slot and you hit the right button, the cosmic vending machine is going to give you exactly what you want because that's what we have been led to expect in our fast food, high-paced world. That is not how God works. Not every time. Peter's reminding us, you know, if man doesn't get something in this matter of time, a lot of times we miss it. But God is not limited by the, the same time constraints as we are because with him, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like a day. Time is not an issue with God because he has an unlimited amount of it. You and I don't. And so when I was praying or thinking and dreaming when I was 23, 24 years old about a wife, I didn't expect it to be 10 years before he brought me the woman of my dreams. I didn't expect to be 33 years old when I met Jennifer. 
You know, I, I wanted it before then. But thank God I didn't give up on him because he brought me the very best. Thank God that when I was praying, when I was a pastor at Southside and I began to feel the Lord moving my heart and, and feeling like I, I'm moving you somewhere else, I didn't just the next day say, I quit this church, I'm going to go find me another church. There was a long process of prayer. And at the right moment, when this church was down to the two final candidates, my resume somehow floated in there. And I became the pastor of this church. Things don't always work on our timeline. And some of y'all say amen, and some of you say, oh God, forgive us. But we must wait upon the Lord. And waiting isn't so hard if we're abiding in the Lord. If we're walking with Him, then everything He gives us is a blessing. We're thankful for those things. So many unexpected things along the way. He's just putting into our basket. But if we're impatiently waiting on the Lord and He doesn't answer on our timetable, we start to lose hope. We start to lose faith. And we start to sometimes get angry with God. That's our problem, not God's problem, by the way. And so, what is happening here? If the average person, this is tax-free weekend. I know a lot of people were out on the streets and out in the stores yesterday because we saw some terrible drivers, okay? I saw Brother Ben driving, and I moved to the other side of the road, all right? I will tell you, I've never seen a person over 90 that looks so cool in blue blockers driving a car, all right? Seriously, I did see him driving yesterday, and he's got the biggest sunglasses that I've ever seen, but he is so cool driving his car. <clears throat> if the average person sees something in a store, it wouldn't make a difference to you or I if it cost a penny or if it cost a dime, would it? I mean, if you need it or if you want it, a penny and a dime isn't going to make the difference in whether you purchase that or not. Even though one of those items is ten times more expensive than the other. If a billionaire wanted to buy a piece of land, uh, and that property cost $5,000, and they entered into negotiations, and the person selling it said, no, I think we'll, we want $50,000 now. For a billionaire, a $5,000 piece of land versus a $50,000 piece of land isn't going to make a whole lot of difference to them. And so, I really believe that this is the idea of verse 8. Both a day and a thousand years are such minuscule amounts of time to God that it doesn't make much difference to Him in the grand scheme of things. Our lives matter. The details of our lives matter. But that amount of time is nothing to God. If a person promises to do something, let's say Brian promises to go mow and weed eat your yard, that, that's going to happen, isn't it, Brian? I know how much he hates mowing his own yard, so that's why I said that. If Brian promises to mow your yard, and um, there's a finite or a limited amount of time available for him to keep his promise. So like if he says now that he's going to mow your yard, and he finally shows up to your house on January 13th, and there's snow on the ground, it doesn't matter anymore. If an elderly father promises to buy his son a home, there is a limited amount of time for him to be able to do that. His life is the limit, okay? As years pass and the father doesn't buy the home, I think the son may begin to wonder if he's ever going to purchase it, if he's ever going to get that home. Ultimately, if the father dies before, the, before keeping his promise and he doesn't leave anything to his son in his will, then the promise has expired. Okay? And we can't look at God's promises through the lens of these type of things that humans do. We look at it through human promises, and we look at it through human time. But God is on a completely different level. If God has said that he's going to do something for you, it will happen. Whereas if me or Ben or Teresa or Brian or whomever... You take the best people that you know, and we're probably it, okay? And we tell you we're going to do something for you, it may or may not happen because we're people. It may be that uh, I got hit by a car and had to go to the hospital and I couldn't fulfill my promise. Or it may be that some 
horrible tragedy entered into our lives and we couldn't do it or we forgot or whatever it may be but you cannot always rely on people the truth is you can always rely on God and so with that said we can't look at God's promises through the time that we know time doesn't exist the same way with God if God is working a plan that may take 10,000 years to unfold it's no different to him than if the plan took 10 days to unfold. The point of 2 Peter 3 is that no matter how long it takes, God will keep his word because he's not slow according to how he counts slowness in keeping his promise. And when he says one day he's going to return to judge the world and rescue his people, the simple fact that it hasn't happened just yet is no indication that it will not happen. I'm not going to go into all the day accounts and the new earth and the old earth creation stuff because uh, that's not the important issue here. The point is that the passing of time has no bearing on God's faithfulness to his promises. The passing of time has no bearing on God's faithfulness to his promises. You want to know what God's promises are, you need to read his word. If you don't know God's words, you don't know what his promises to you are. And that way you don't know if he's keeping them or not. You can't get mad at God if you don't know what he's promised to do and what he's promised not to do. You can't get mad at God if you ask him for something and he doesn't do it the next moment. There's a lot of us that have been praying for years and years and some for decades for the salvation of family members or for the healing of disease. I remember praying, starting praying almost 16 years ago for my friend Zach for his hearing. He's got hearing aids now. But his hearing naturally hasn't improved. One day his hearing is going to be perfect. We look forward to that day. But guys, don't get upset at the Lord. The whole point of this passage, and this is where I close, is that we can't know when the Lord's going to do something. And we certainly can't know when the Lord is going to return. Because he's operating on a different timetable than we are. What do we do then? We need to wait patiently, trusting that the Lord, who is patient with us, not wanting us to perish, but for every one of us to come to repentance. Listen, there's no cryptic, encoded message in the Bible. If anybody would have known when Jesus was returning, Peter probably would have. And if he knew it, he would have told those suffering, persecuted believers, guys, don't hold your breath. He's not going to return for another 2,000 years. But Jesus didn't do that. Peter didn't do that. Peter didn't know when the Lord was going to return, and we don't either. So what's our role? Well, you know it. Wait as patiently for the Lord as those persecuted believers of the first century did. You know, in verse 11 and 12, which I know we didn't read, but it says, as they live holy and godly lives, or he tells us to live holy and godly lives, as we look forward to the day of God. Live holy and godly lives. Increase in remembrance. What I'm telling you this morning is this. If you're hurting, if you're suffering, if you're struggling, if you're doubting, if you're losing hope, if you're sick and tired of waiting, if you're growing impatient, if you're angry at the Lord or angry at people, if you don't know what's next and you're just feeling lost, maybe you're not feeling the voice of God answering your prayers right now. Been there. Heard a sweet saint last week say, God is no longer hearing my prayers. And what a pitiful, pitiful thing that is to hear somebody who believes that. What do you do in those moments? Increase in remembering the goodness of God. Go back to his promises. Go back to his answers. Go back to his commands. Look up to that Lord and thank him and praise him and ask him for help to be the same God that he was then as you need him to be right now. And then he will allow you to go forward in the promise and the hope that you need. You may not need this message today, but somebody around you, I promise you, does. Somebody that you may need to go and deliver this message to, 
Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't quit. God is still faithful. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen yet. Because, guys, when we pray, we say, your will be done, not my own. And when we add that to our prayers, we're really saying, God, your timing, your answer, the way you want it done, the method you want it done, where you want it done, how you want it done, that's what we're asking for. And if you've asked him for that, trust that he'll deliver it that way. He is your God. He loves you more than anything. He loves the lost person so much that he's patiently waiting for them to repent and turn to Jesus. Now, he's also waiting for you to get up off your rear ends and to go share that gospel with people. He's waiting for me to stop being lazy and faithless and go out and share that message with people. But he will deliver people if they will but ask. So here's what I'm going to ask. You pray with me. Bow your heads for a moment. And just think of what you need right now. And I mean this. It's not just like a little psychological activity that I'm asking you to do. Maybe you're like Wendell and Jan and you need relief for your daughter and your grandkids. Maybe you're like Jennifer and you need some peace and relief of anxiety as you get back up on that bicycle and start riding again as you get back into school and thinking about the the learning and the minds and the lives of those little ones that are placed under your care. Maybe you're like Kathy and and Johnny and uh, their family and their mom is uh, has COVID and she's blind and uh, she's so reliant upon the goodness and the mercy of people and caretakers and you just need to lay that lady before your holy and almighty God. Maybe you're like Teresa and Dale and your dear friend that you've known for years and years and years has just passed away and there's, there's a hole. Guys, there is not a soul in this place that doesn't have a need. There's not a soul in this place that has it all together. There's not a soul in this place that doesn't have something that only the Lord can do in their life. So as you think about that need, I also want you to think about how faithful God has been to you throughout your life. You wouldn't be here this morning if he hadn't woke you up, so that's fresh and new. What about for the duration of your life? What all has God done for you? Now you take what he's done, and you weigh it on the same scale as what you need him to do. And you can have such faith and confidence that he will do that. Because he is a powerful, omnipotent, holy faithful God. He loves you. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we do pray that every soul that's formed something in their mind right now this morning, something that only you can do, something that they need help with, maybe it's overcoming an addiction, maybe it's stopping to be so angry all the time, maybe it's uh, stopping to worry and, and, and to get rid of the depression that's plaguing them, maybe they're concerned about the spiritual state of their kids or their grandkids. Maybe that's something at work that's just gnawing at them. Maybe they need a career change. Maybe they need uh, some help in their marriage. Maybe there's some financial woe that is overpowering them. Maybe it's this heavy sense of loss. Lord, I, I don't know. But this beautiful thing is, is that you can look into the soul and the mind of your child right now. And you can meet them where they are right now. And you can meet every one of us right now at the same time. And what it is that we hold out to you in our meager little hands, Lord God, and say, help. We have a whole lifetime of experiential blessings where you've taken those pleas for help before and you've answered them and delivered us and kept us and advanced us and made us what we are today. And you can take this plea for help too. You see, God, we trust you this morning. We have hope in you and confidence in you above all things and all people. We know, Lord God, that your promises are true. We know that you're not slow in answering them, but you're waiting for the exact time of your will to deliver us and redeem us. Father, we believe you. We praise you. This morning, God, as a united just group and assembly of saints, we draw our hearts together, Lord God, and we praise you. 
We need you, God. We beg you to help us. And Lord God, as you answer these things, our response, and we pledge this today, is going to be thanks and gratefulness and praise and adoration and worship of your name. And Lord God, because of this, even this day, let it be a reminder. Let us stack stones along the wayside as an altar to the place where you met with us that we can always return to as Abraham did. Let us look to this day from here forward knowing that we never doubt you again. We hope in you. We rely on you. We expect great and mighty things beyond our power from you. We believe in you. And we will ask of you. And Lord God, we know that time and time again, every moment that we are in need of grace, your grace will be present to help us in our time of need. So we look back to look up to look forward. That's the whole purpose of today, God. We look back to your goodness so that we can look up today for help, so that we can look forward tomorrow with hope. Help us to walk in this and to live in this and maybe to deliver this message to somebody else in our lives that needs to hear it. Praise you, God, for being so good. Praise you for your son, Jesus Christ. Praise you for the blessings past, the blessings present, and the blessings future. Praise you for the spirit that lives within us. Praise you for our talents and our abilities. Praise you for the time that you've allowed us in this life. Praise you for the salvation that we have in Christ alone. Praise you for this church. Praise you for our fellow believers. Praise you for our family. Praise you for our jobs, for our energy, for our health, for the love that is within us. Praise you for the forgiveness you've offered to us. Praise you for the future we have in you. Praise you for an eternity in heaven. You are such a holy and awesome God, Lord. And we just praise you infinitely this morning. Be with us. Walk with us. Be real to us. And Lord Jesus, we don't forget what we started with. If there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know your son Jesus as their only Savior, their only Lord, Lord, that this would be the day that they would make proclamation in their heart and with their mouth that they would ask you to forgive their sins. And this is how simple it is, my friends. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. And I've fallen short of the glory of you, the Almighty One. Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus, and I need salvation today, knowing that there's no other one in whom salvation can be found. I trust you. I pray that you would protect me from the evil one, prepare a place for me in heaven, and help me to walk in obedience with you the rest of my days. Jesus' name. And I say it again, in Jesus' name, would all God's people say amen.